morning. It's time to wake up. Wake up now. Good to have you all here on a Tuesday night. I hope we're all here. It's Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. It is about 6.54 p.m. on the East Coast at the time of this live recording. And I am preparing to do a little brief show with you here tonight because I have to go into the other room and work on some music with the guys and that'll uh, that'll wrap this up around 8.10. So uh, we're going to be doing a very brief but call-heavy show and it's going to be about a topic that we already broached about a week ago, We Can Change, and I think it'll, uh, I think it'll be good. I think good, good for all of us, especially in a time like this, especially with what we have going on the next couple of days on the show with the guests, the caliber guests and the, the high caliber conversations that are going to hit all over the place. I'm sure of it. Last night's show was fantastic. I still have a whole bunch of emails to get through of people emailing me about uh, coronal mass ejections, the Carrington, uh, Carrington event, uh, everything else that Jim Lee and I were talking about. Very, very good show. And um, I'm glad we cleared that out. But tonight, ladies and gents, as I said, last Friday, we cracked open a rich topic of conversation, and we just did not have enough time for it. It all had to do with some of the words of wisdom by British author C.S. Lewis, who we talk about a lot on this show, and did a whole book uh, on with Book Club in January of this year. Well, he left us some great quotes about how mankind has this remarkable tendency to seek out and create beauty, goodness, and culture in times of great conflict and tumult. So that's what I want to discuss tonight. We're going to do some of that and take your calls. And I want to hear about times in your lives when you have accomplished something good during a uh, period of great stress. That's why it's called Pressure Makes Diamonds. All right. That's what we're doing tonight, and um, and that's what we have. Thank you so much for all your time. I will see you tomorrow. Right, that's all I had there. Good, good, good. Oh, I have some good personal news for you. Uh, this morning, I didn't tell you guys about this in the lead up to this morning because I didn't want to put more pressure on myself in case I didn't go through with it. And that, of course, was I had my blood taken today. You remember I said I was really excited last September or last October when I went for my physical to have my blood taken and I, you know, I was, you know, just psyching myself up because I had to, I don't like it. And she, my doctor missed the vein back in October. I said, nah, that's it. That's good enough. One try. We'll do this sometime other time. Because she, she also didn't have the, the baby gauge of the, of the, uh, the needle to draw the blood. I need the baby gauge. It feels really nice. It feels, well, it doesn't feel nice, but it feels like a strand of human hair is going into you as opposed to the garden hose that is the other one. And um, I, just last week, it was after talking to Jay Gulinello and I'm just saying to myself, you know what? I'm sick of not knowing and I'm sick of, I'm sick of going, uh, you know, making plans when you know, that are not totally customized to what's going on with me. I want to know, I want to know everything. And it's been too long since I've had everything worked up for me. 
So I got in touch with my doctor. I said, can you come by the house and draw my blood over here? She does the house calls for us. Can you do, can you do a, a blood draw over here at the house? And here's what I need. And I gave, I gave her the list, everything that Jay Gulinella wanted. And um, she said, sure. So we settled on Tuesday morning. So the last three days I've had very, very bad sleep. Just thinking about it, getting closer and closer. Last night, last night was just like, oh, oh. I, I, I was dreaming about this moment right now for the last three or four days. This moment, Tuesday night, it would all be over. Everything was fine. Okay, I was a big boy. I feel like a big fucking man right now. I laid down on my couch. Uh, Lauren was holding my foot <laughs> as I requested because she was at the end of the, the couch. She couldn't come and hold my hand. And, uh, and, and I just uh, breathed through it elevated my feet so I didn't go and uh, with a couple of my pillow from uh, what was it what's his name uh, Mike Lindell I got a couple of my pillows from doing from doing taking it back on on Badlands Media got a couple of free my pillows they're really they're fantastic I put them under my ankles so that uh, I did not pass out as well and everything was fine I needed that good experience now if I needed to take blood next week I can do it. I wouldn't have a lot of fun, but I could do it just fine. Last time that they took blood was when I went to go with Lauren. She had to go get uh, blood tested for, you know, thalassemia and all that when we were pregnant with uh, Aurora. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going with her to this uh, this office building during the pregnancy just to be a good husband and and then to be there for, for the whole thing. And uh, we get there and they say, oh, well, uh, well, Mr. Valbiro, you... Um, you want to come with the nurse over here in the other room and we're going to take some blood from you? I said, excuse me? I had no time to prepare mentally for this shit. What are you talking about? I don't have thalassemia. I'll just tell you right now. That wasn't good enough for them. So I went to the other room. It was a little tiny room and there was no place for me to lay down. There was just a, a chair and an arm bar or something like that. You put your arm over the top and I said, I need, I need to lay down. They said, well, we don't have any place for you to lay down. I said, okay. All right. Okay. Put my arm down. They got a couple of things of blood for me. And, uh, and then about 10 minutes later, less than 10 minutes later, nurse goes in to see Lauren, as she told me. and said, um, Lauren, uh, it's about your husband. And I was peaked. The sweat rolling down my face. Had to get myself. So I, it, it, within... I, I didn't pass out, but I was close. I got myself down the hallway. They put me in one of the ultrasound examination tables, so my feet are in, like, stirrups and shit. One of the women tables. And uh, Lawrence, you know, patting my head. They brought me some orange juice. It's fine. You got to give me some time to prepare for this stuff. I was prepared today. And, um, and it was great. It was great. I gave her four vials. Um, she drank all of them right there in front of me. Very weird. I didn't expect that to happen. No, I'm just kidding. What happened was she left the house, and as she was fumbling for her keys to get back into her car, my doctor, she dropped all the blood on the driveway, and the vials smashed, and now they can't they can't use it all. I said, "You better, you better, you know, vacuum that up. Get my blood back in there." So we'll see what Jay Gulenell says. But I want to give him the report. He's going to go. Oh no. Oh no. 
Frank, I'm so sorry. What? What do you see? I'm so sorry, Frank. I can't work with you. If Jay says I can't work with you based on the, the blood I give him, well, not the blood, but the, uh, the reports, then I know that things have been going very poorly for me. I should have just never gotten it tested. Anyway, that was my morning, and I'm very proud of myself. I feel great, and I'm glad to have you all here. That's what it all comes down to. All right. Let's go into the grab bag, shall we? The first one up is from the Daily Star. Very weird stuff over here. Here's the headline. I brought this up during the book club last night. You can now experience death in virtual reality with disturbing new simulation. This, this, it's what everybody wants to do on a weekend. Have you ever wondered what happens when you die? Yes, it's the, the worst thing. The worst thing you could do. Well, now you can find out thanks to an unusual VR simulation, which lets you face a near-death experience. What happened to people just buying Madden video games, playing a little baseball, playing a little afterburner, something like that? I want to simulate death. You know, I have some friends that that download very uh, obscure video games, like free video games off the, the PlayStation the PlayStation Marketplace or whatever the hell it is, and they'll, they'll buy simulators that are like farming simulators where you go out and you just, you farm. You just, you plant things. And then you just wait around, you send the tractors out, and it's a farming simulator. There is flight simulators, but imagine this. Oh, I'm gonna be in the death simulator tonight between nine and 10. Despite all the things science tells us about life, nobody really knows what it's like to experience death. However, people who have undergone near-death experiences often come back with tales of what happens after their heart stops. From leaving their bodies and seeing themselves from above to waking up in a meadow. Now, a new virtual reality simulation tries to give people a taste of what it's like to die. Artist Sean Gladwell has created an exhibit called Passing Electrical Storms, with, which guides participants through a simulated de-escalation of life, from cardiac arrest to brain death. You're asked to lie down on a fake hospital bed and hooked up to a heart rate monitor. Apparently, the simulation can be so unsettling that there are staff on hand to pull you out if it gets too uncomfortable. It's like Total Recall, only you're not going to Mars. You're going into Klaus Schwab's hell. Marcus Crook, a Melbourne local who also had an exhibit at the festival, explained what the VR death experience is really like. In a TikTok video, he said, I can see how people would say it causes anxiety and panic. It definitely borderlines that. They do put your finger on a heart rate monitor and then tell you to raise your hand if you've had enough and want to quit. He said, what happens is you're laying down, the bed vibrates, you flatline, the doctors come over the, uh, over the top of you, you can see yourself in the goggles, and they try to revive you, it doesn't work, then you float up out past them into space, and it keeps going. I should save this for when we talk to Dr. Albert Taylor in, in, Feb, in uh, April, because the bed vibrating thing is, a, is that, that one phase that I've read consistently from everybody who lucid dreams and astral projects. I'm going to have to talk to him about this one. I'm going to keep this here. But that's what... Uh, we're just getting more and more morbid. Morbid, morbid, morbid. You know? what? Whatever happened to going to... Um, to going to medieval times and watching jousting? 
and drinking Coca-Cola from a goblet and having a turkey leg. That's a nice simulation, right? Do you still have a Medieval Times next to you? Call into the show. When was the last time you've been to Medieval Times? Is it still good? As good as people said it was. I've never been to one. I pass by it all the time on King's Highway down in, down in Myrtle Beach when we used to go in the late 90s, but we never went inside. Always wanted to see the jousting. Here's a little something for you. Headline from The Guardian. Meatball from long extinct mammoth created by a food firm. Exclusive, an Australian company resurrects the flesh of lost species to demonstrate potential of meat grown from cells. We know all about this from the uh, the celebrity meat that they wanted to, to, to grow from people. A mammoth meatball. This is not mammoth, by the way. It is probably a cloned piece of George Soros's ass, and this is his final prank on the world before he dies. A mammoth meatball has been created by a cultivated meat company resurrecting the flesh of the long extinct of long extinct animals. Yeah, I'm gonna go in there and, and eat a, a dodo bird meatball. That sounds real nice. What's wrong with a ribeye? At med- medieval times. The project aims to demonstrate the potential of meat grown from cells without the slaughter of animals. <laughs> And to highlight the link between large-scale livestock production and the destruction of wildlife and the climate crisis. I can't wait to talk about this with Jay again when he comes on. That's the one thing we'll do somewhere in late April or May whenever Jay comes back. I want to talk about wildlife cultivation, and I will also invite all of the farmers that we have out there and the ranchers that we have out there in the audience to call in that night. That'll be a good one. This nonsense. Now, I don't like factory farming. I don't like it either. Um, That is why I almost uh, exclusively deal with local farms when it comes to uh, what I eat and what my family eats. And it's almost exclusive at this point. But I, I don't like the giant factories with chickens that have never seen the light of day. That are just in there, cows, pigs. I can't. St- I, I don't like it at all. I know eventually you have to, you have to kill them. Now I know exactly where my food comes from. I've never had to do it myself, but um, but there are just some things that are just wrong. The conditions that a lot of these these um, animals are kept in that I don't like. The mammoth meatball was produced by Vow, an Australian company which is taking a different approach to cultured meat. There are scores of companies working on replacements for conventional meat, such as chicken, pork, and beef, but Vow is aiming to mix and match cells from unconventional species to create a new kind of meat. No thank you. The company has already investigated the potential of more than 50 species, including alpaca, Buffalo, crocodile, kangaroo, peacocks, and different types of fish. First cultivated meat to be sold to diners will be in, uh, will be Japanese quail, which the company expects will be in restaurants in Singapore this year. We have behavior change problems when it comes to meat consumption, uh, says George Pepo, CEO of Vow. The goal is to transition a few billion meat eaters away from eating conventional animal protein to eating things that can be produced in electrified systems. You fu- you see what this is all about. And we believe the best way to do that is to invent meat. 
to invent meat to play God. We look for cells that are easy to grow, really tasty and nutritious, and then mix and match those cells to create really tasty meat. This guy can go uh, can go right to hell on the horse that he cloned and rode in on. It's probably I tell you it's it's a it's a cloned piece of George Soros's ass. He says, "Oh, this is alpaca," and then they all laugh at you for buying it. All right, here's another one from the bite. This is a short one by Frank Landymore. Godfather of AI says that there's a minor risk that it'll eliminate humanity. Minor risk. Don't worry. Nothing to worry about. It's not inconceivable. Jeffrey Hinton, a British uh, computer scientist, is best known as the godfather of artificial intelligence. His seminal work on neural networks broke the mold by mimicking the processes of human cognition and went on to form the foundation of machine learning models today. And now in a lengthy interview with CBS News, Hinton shared his thoughts on the current state of AI, which he fashions to be a, in a pivotal moment with the advent of artificial general intelligence looming closer than we think. Quote, until quite recently, I thought it was going to be like 20 to 50 years before we have general purpose AI, Hinton said, and now I think it might be 20 years or less. AGI is a term that describes a potential AI that could exhibit human or superhuman intel intelligence levels. Rather than being overtly specialized, an AGI would be capable of learning and thinking on its own to solve a vast array of problems. For now, omens of AGI are often invoked to drum up the capabilities of current models, but regardless of the industry bluster hailing its arrival, or how long it might really be before AGI dawns on us, Hinton says we should be carefully considering its consequences right now, which may include the minor issue of trying to wipe out humanity. Quote, it's not inconceivable. That's all I'll say, Hinton told CBS. Still, Hinton maintains that the real issue on the horizon is how AI technology that we already have, AGI or not, could be monopolized by power-hungry governments and corporations. I think it's very reasonable for people to be worrying about these issues now, even though it's not going to happen in the next year or two, Hinton said in the interview. People should be uh, thinking about those issues. Luckily, by Hinton's outlook, humanity still has a little bit of breathing room before things get completely out of hand, since current publicly available, mod available models, publicly available models, are mercifully stupid. Quote, we're at this transition point now where ChatGPT is this kind of idiot savant, and it also doesn't really understand about truth. It's very different from a person who tries to have a consistent worldview. But Hinton predicts that we're going to move towards systems that can understand different worldviews, which is spooky because it inevitably means whoever is wielding the AI could use it to push a worldview of their own. I guess he doesn't know that the one worldview that it is um, inclined to push that of its creators is a Klaus Schwab worldview. You don't want some big for-profit company deciding what is true, Hinton warned, and it's a very, very good warning right there. And we know that already because we had um, people like Klaus Schwab at the World Government Summit, no less, saying that those who did own and operate a large vested interest in the uh, the AI market and metaverse and other things, they would be masters of the world. That is the 
He used that terminology, masters of the world. So, a little bit about that. And, um, and the monsters never stop. The monsters never stop. Lastly, over here, Treasury Secretary Yellen. This is from Bongino News. Treasury Secretary Yellen, a woman who is all one color, except for just a little bit of rouge on the lips there. She's all one color. Even her eyes are white, pale, white hair, white skin, just a, a, a melting pile of silly putty. That's what Janet Yellen is. And she's not very bright either. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She's not a bright woman. I've listened to her speak. She's silly putty. Treasury Secretary Yellen confirms $4.7 trillion in new taxes in Biden's budget. It's a figure you won't hear from Joe Biden touting himself, but Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has confirmed it's $4.7 trillion. That's the amount of new taxes that Biden has proposed over a 10-year period in his budget. Senator John Kennedy pried that figure out of Yellen, asking her, isn't it a fact that the president proposed a budget of $4.7 trillion in new taxes? $4.7 trillion. The world stopped spinning when, uh, when, when they decided to print $800 billion, billion dollars, $800 billion to treat the, um, the collapse of 2008. Senator John Kennedy uh, pried that out of her. After a long pause, she replied, it does propose significant additional taxes, yes. 4.7 trillion, Kennedy followed up. Something like that, yes, Yellen confirmed. When you ask them how much we should give, they only answer more, 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 more. 4.7 trillion in California is just about is just about to uh, tidy up on their little study on reparations. Want to give people reparations out there, black people re- reparations for all of the the um, the injustices that they suffer at the hands of California. I think I think California should pay reparations for the rest of the country at this point, but um, we're it just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just uh, as long as you got your parachute on, that's what preparation is all about. It's about putting a parachute on. And while everybody is holding on to cinder blocks and anvils, you are uh, floating down the miles and miles and miles we have to fall uh, a little bit more controlled than others. So $4.7 trillion pulled it out of that sil- silly putty mouth. So think about that. All right, we'll be right back. Be right back. I'll be introducing the main theme for the evening, and I hope that you're here to hang out. I have shared all of the links and I would ask you all to help syndicate me tonight through social media and be a friend. Thank you so much. We will be right, right back. Right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll hear about that coming okay. up. Okay. As we head to the break, a look at the six. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. 
And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Sunny side of the street. I can't you hear. How do we do it? How do we keep our how do we keep ourselves on the sunny side of the street? I guess that's a choice, right? Life can be so sweet. Plenty to be angry about out there. Plenty to be angry about out there. Lots of fighting right now. Of course, the um, the the outrage du jour is uh, is all around who is going to control the way that this tragedy, uh, another one, another one, um, the shooting, the narrative management is so insulting that makes uh, I don't want. That's why I just I hate touching it. I hate touching it, but it's uh, it, I think that it's a glimpse into where we're going. No doubt about it. I've been saying this for weeks now that there is going to be very, very few ways for uh, anybody to be persuasive about uh, the kind of mental illness that is encouraged, enabled, promoted. It's going to become more and more of a terrible, nightmarish, serial killer kind of war. And the, the the when you watch people manage narratives, it is so insulting. And on top of the fact that life is lost, it just makes it so much worse. I really can't stand feeling this saturated by loathing and disgust for people anymore. I can't take I can't take it anymore to see people so limited in their ability to see something because all they can see is red and blue, or what? I, I mean, I don't know. One thing I will say about the about this uh, this shooting that everybody's talking about. Very strange to get a body cam video like this. We never get footage of the shooter getting taken out, even though we you don't actually see it. You just see the body there, and you you never get footage like this, ever. Not, especially not within 24 hours. So that's extremely strange. But um, so... Instead, I want to backtrack to a topic tonight that we discussed last week for an insufficient amount of time, I believe. And I I don't have a lot of time here with you tonight on this episode, and we're definitely not going to fix what's going on with the freaks at the news networks or in the White House or all of our unfortunate friends and family who can still only see red and blue guns and pronouns. And we have our next two episodes with Rich Barris and Really Graceful. So 
I mean, for the next couple of days, there's going to be plenty of time for culture war analysis and everything else. And let's just take that time when, when it comes here. So instead, I want to inject some timeless wisdom back into consideration for the show as a topic. Hopefully we can get some calls on this. It's a thread that was pieced together by Jash Delani on Twitter, a friend of the show, does great work over there, at Old Books Guy on Twitter. I read through this on Friday, but Friday shows are, you know, a lot more people are not around to watch a live Friday show because they're out doing things, and I understand what Fridays are, but um, that's what we're going to do. We're going to put it out there, and we're going to start taking calls, and I want to... I want to ride ride it out here. Here we have from Jash. It says, C.S. Lewis almost died in the trench warfare of World War I. He became best friends with Tolkien, sold over 100 million books. And on the cusp of World War II, he gave an iconic lecture at, at Oxford University in 1939. His question was, does beauty matter when bombs start falling? And here are the profound answers that he gave during that lecture. The permanent human situation is endless strife, chaos, and pain. C.S. Lewis talks to that that topic by saying, The human life, human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice. Human culture has always had to exist under the shadow of something infinitely more important than itself. Yet culture breaks out. Now, if we waited for peace to create art, the first cave painting would not be made. Always some imminent danger looking around more important, more important than culture. Now, Lewis said to this uh, in particular, if men had postponed the search for knowledge and beauty until they were secure, the search would have never begun. On insect life versus human life, C.S. Lewis said the following, the insects have chosen a different line. They have sought first the material welfare and security of the hive, and presumably they have their reward. Men are different. Men, as Jash says, we demand not just mere continuity, but variety, growth, and adventure. C.S. Lewis on why humans are truly a unique species. He said the following, Men propound mathematical theorems in beleaguered cities. They conduct metaphysical arguments in condemned cells. They make jokes on scaffolds and comb their hair at Thermopylae. This is not panache, it is our nature. As I said, Last Friday, I loved that line. Right on the front line, soldiers don't talk of their allied cause or the progress of the campaign. They're instead concerned with stories, myths, fateful open-ended questions. They desire aesthetic satisfactions, as he said. If they won't read good books, they will read bad ones. Lewis on Good Ideas said, Good philosophy must exist if for no other reason because bad philosophy needs to be answered. The good intellect must work not only against cool intellect on the other side, but against the muddy heathen mysticisms which deny intellect altogether. And as I said last Friday, that right there is the, is the exact reason why censorship is so huge and is pushed so vehemently by uh, know-nothing demonic freaks, statist freaks, who want to make sure that their bad philosophies go unanswered, go uncontested. That's exactly what censorship is all about. The soul feeds on truth and beauty like the body feeds on food. C.S. Lewis said the following, God makes no appetite in vain. 
We can therefore pursue knowledge and beauty in the sure confidence that by doing so, we are either advancing to the vision of God ourselves or indirectly helping others to do so. And as to why we must study the past, as if we didn't need more reasons, C.S. Lewis said the following, Not that the past has any magic about it, but because we cannot study the future, and yet need something to set against the present, to remind us that the basic assumptions have been quite different from different periods. To put yourself there. The past has immunity from New Age BS. So this, this really goes hand in hand with, this, with the last thing that we just read about studying the past, to understand where we are, and, uh, and to not be, to not be uh, manipulated by those who are looking to use shallow understandings or interpretations of the past to create politically expedient conditions for them right, right now in the, in the present. Lewis said, a man who has lived in many places is not likely to be deceived by the local errors of his village. The scholar has lived in many times and is therefore immune from the great cataract of nonsense that pours from the press of his own age. So you think about really woefully stupid people like, uh, like uh, Joy Reid on MSNBC, or you think about the people out there in California who are taking a little splinters, a splintered understanding of the past somewhere, a story, a series of anecdotes, and have uh, boxed it up in the 21st century here and is now trying to turn it into God knows how many tens or hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars worth of reparations for people who don't deserve it, just so that they could steal, just so that they can steal and they could take other people for a, a deadly ride. It's incredible. Wonderful things there. That's the, the best, that's the best uh, quote out of the whole thing here. And he continues, Jash says, don't wait for spare time to know what you want to do or know what you want to know and to chase what you want to chase. Lewis says, the only people who achieve much are those who want knowledge so badly that they seek it while the conditions are still unfavorable. Favorable conditions never come. So I'm going to open up the lines now because I know that a lot of people wanted to get in on Friday and this is going to be a good one. I know it. My hoping hoping you call in 914-595-6953. This is why I come with, up with topics for nights like tonight that have to do some do with something that may seem to some people at least who don't understand what we do here frivolous in a time of great tension. Why isn't he talking about the shooting and inconsistencies here and there? Why aren't we talking about Ohio still? Is it, I mean who I mean you think about the things that that we get dragged through over the course of weeks that um, whereas when we're in it, they're very important. There's lives at stake. There are big questions to be answered about it. But at the same time, it keeps us dated. It keeps us, it keeps us in, in a place where we have to move. Our consciousness needs to evolve and move and turn the page along with the news cycle. That is never, never slowing down. It's only speeding up. So it's good, I believe, to take breaks like this, to focus in on something um, a little bit more timeless, and uh, even even something that are I don't know, it's just a, a a really good a really good uh, what would you say? It's not a distraction, a good exercise 
So for the rest of the show, it's pressure makes diamonds. That's that's the main topic I'm giving to you. If you want to call in about something else, you can. Just make sure it's nice and snappy. Tell me about a time in which you accomplished something great under a great deal of stress. All right? I'm not talking and it doesn't mean that you had you 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 chiseled a magnificent a masterpiece out of a block of marble. You could. But just something anything. The first time I told you uh, about this on Friday, I told you about Sue. My my good friend and longtime personal training client, Sue. I told you about Sue really loving to work on her planks. She was about in her mid-70s at the time. And, it, and her husband was battling cancer, and he was losing the battle. And they had been together for a very long time, and he was a very nice man. And, um, and it was on the day that she and her children were all given the news that there was nothing more that they can do for John, that they all went off to the hospital, and she said, I'll be right behind you. I, have to, I want to work out with Frank. She, she kept her appointment with me, even though I protested, said, you know, let's just, we can, she said, no, I want to do this. I said, okay. And, um, and uh, when she came to the plank, that's when you hold yourself on your elbows or on your palms, but you're just holding that plank position. Um, she had only top, she had been only, she had been topping out at around four minutes, refuses to go down on that day, on that day, when getting the worst news that someone can get, she held out for seven minutes and 20 seconds, seven minutes. She would not go down. She wouldn't go down. And I think that is a diamond that is a diamond and i i'm looking for little stories like that doesn't have to be monumental it just has to be something that you did during a time where you just you needed a win you just it's good to win one you know i that's what i want to hear i gave you my story from today four vials of blood that was my story today i went the rest of the day i felt like an absolute champion all right Spent some time with Lauren. Oh, it was just a great day after that. So give us a call, 914-595-6953. 914-595-6953. I want to hear from people. That's the way it is. That's the way it's got to be. All right, so in the meantime, I'm going to take a, um, see some calls coming in now. Should I too? Yeah, let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. Uh, Albert, you're the first one up. What's going on? Awesome. This this isn't this isn't so much about me. It is kind of, but uh, I'll try to nutshell it as quickly as I can. So when I was growing up, I didn't have like this fantastic life or whatever. So I used to run away and go to my grandma's house. And uh, long story short, uh, my father shot himself when I was 15. And they wouldn't let me live with my grandmother, so they sent me to my, like, biological mother, who I didn't know at all, so that didn't work out. Then I, so I bounced to, like, a cousin, older cousin's house, and uh, that wasn't working out. But during that time, my grandmother had developed uh, rheumatoid arthritis. It's, like, where your knuckles get really fucking big and your knees and all that. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, long story short, she my uncle calls me who went over there she had been 
she like fell down and couldn't get up for like two days. Nobody had gone over there. And, um, so I was like WTF and I, you know, I, I ran over to the house. I lived like two miles away and she's like in this chair and she's like just all fucked up. And my uncle was telling me, um, you know, I don't know, Albert, you know, this and that. And, and, and that was it for me. You know what I'm saying? That was just it. And I'm like, what And I started like bitching at her, (laughs) um, you know, whatever I was, I was young and I was like, no way you can't be. And dude, if you would have seen her, Oh my God. I was, so I was like bawling and I'm like, you can't, you can't do this to me. You can, you gotta, you know, you gotta get better. You, and I was like, I mean, I was really hurt and, uh, I was really being, um, selfish, I guess, but and demanding. And I was like, yelling and and she just kind of looked at me and she's like five foot tall little english woman you know and she just was like she was like 70 or something like that or or around there and she just looked at me and she was like okay albert okay and uh dude it was like two weeks later two weeks later and i moved in with her i I went and got my shit and came back over there there was no way that this was happening in my mind you know but um her knuckles went back to normal her knees went back to normal um and she lived i mean i stayed there till i moved out i got my own place you know, was having kids and she lived for like another 15 years, dude, another 15 years. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, talk about being under, how do you even, and I went back to her doctor, like after she passed away, because then I found out like rheumatoid arthritis, it's not supposed to go away. You, you do die from it. My grandfather died from it. And, uh, and I just asked him, I was like, Dr. Rosen, I was like, where, where did, where did the arthritis go? And he just looked at me like real serious, you know? And he was just like, I don't, I don't know, Albert. I don't know. And, uh, you know, she believed in God and, and, uh, all that was real religious and push it. But I mean, talk about a, a, a diamond, man, that woman was a diamond. I got to you know, I got to introduce a lot of my children to her before she passed away. And, uh, I don't know, dude, that's to me, that's, you know, yeah. no, it's a, it's if, a, if, 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 if you make something, you know, if I'm a diamond that she made from that, I'm flawed, you know, but, uh, I'm doing the best I can, you know, it's a, it's a situation, it's, it's a situation, a situation where you, you think that there is, you're, you're at the end. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I, I obviously, you're just retelling the story. And thank you for the call, Albert. I want to take a few more because it's a short show. But it, uh, it, it's a very short understanding of what was going on over there, telling Albert, uh, Albert telling us what's going on. But it seems like a decision was made in a time of stress. What else could it be? There was a decision made. There was a prayer answered. And... Um, that's a good one. That's a pretty monumental, almost a mysterious one. Eight one two, you're on the air. Who's this? Frank. Hey, who's this? This is Mike Rogan from Evansville, Indiana. Mike Rogan, welcome to the show. How are you? 
Oh, good, Frank. Thanks so much. Um, I, this should be a quick one. Uh, I was 20 years old. It was 1989. Uh, my dad had just died. He was 57. And I, I, it was a week before I went back to college. And I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with myself. Uh, I was, it was the first time I felt really depressed. And I mean, more than just having a low mood and not feeling like doing anything. It, it was a sense of an act of malignancy around me, getting into me. Um, and I went ahead and took the LSAT because I didn't know, yeah, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and it turns out this is back when the, the LSAT went up to 48 points and uh, I got a 48 on it. Wow. To everybody's advice. Um, so that's, uh, that's my achieving something under pressure. That's incredible. So you got a perfect, you got a perfect score. I, I, I did. I did on that one. Yeah. That's, 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 that's incredible. And now, and now, uh, in the, in the time after that, how did, how did things start, uh, evening themselves out? Cause obviously you moved into new phases of your life and, did you did you end up going to school and what came of that? I went to law school for a month. <laughs> uh, then I went to med school. Uh, practiced medicine for a decade or so, and uh, that's when the substance abuse started. Mm -hmm. uh, then I fell down the stairs, uh, hit my head, and when it was in a coma for a few weeks, and haven't worked since then. But thank God I have. Uh, a lovely wife uh, about just over a year now who is able to see to all that, that we have a little income and health insurance. Well, that's, you know, it, it's good to hear from you, Mike. And I, and, and I, and I know that there's just one of those things where they're not, not necessarily cure-alls, not necessarily like, this is the story of how I got to the end I got to the finish line and I won the game. It's just one of those things where when times are tough, every once in a while we we get to we get to pop our head up above the the, the surface of the water and take a satiating breath and and uh, and just just a little something to give you the energy to keep fighting on because you know that there's going to be ups and downs and uh, you know, flights of stairs as in your case and. Uh, and yeah, exactly. we keep, yeah, but the, but the, the the perfect score on the LSAT with all that going on that must that must have been a nice moment to pat yourself on the back. It it was a nice it was a nice moment. It was a relief. Uh, yes, I'm grateful for that. Well, thank you. I'm grateful for the call. Thank you, Mike. Okay, thanks, Mike. God bless you. Take care. Take care. Let's uh let's let's go to a, a few more. 914-595-6953404. You're on the air. Who's this? Unique Genetics. Allegedly. Who? Who? Jeanette. Unique Genetics. Jeanette. What's Nancy. going on? What's going on, Jeanette? Yeah! How you doing? Well, sheesh. I mean, I almost wouldn't dare bloody complain. It's like I definitely could have some prayers answered. That's okay. I'm calling for Albert. I would like to tell Albert. She's leveled up. She's not passed on. We're still together, all of us, in our hearts. And good on you, mate. Never would have called that shit over these years. Never in a million. Never. 
the Americans say, making light of a thing. Albert, here's a hug. You're the shit. You're fucking definitely a diamond, homie. The fuck you mean? Sorry for the cursing. I'm hoping you're still grounded from YouTube. Okay. Okay, so so uh, okay. To, uh, Albert, you got a little bit of love <gasps> from Jeanette there. Jeanette, do you have a... Oh my God, that hurt. You felt it. I saw you. That was... Albert, so sweet. Jeanette, are you okay? Oh. No, dude. Not uh, really. Okay. Um, do, Not are, really. Are you under, uh, are you under no. stress right now? Oh, I ex no, I'm no more like okay. His story made my petty shit feel little. Well, that's see, you, you know, know what I get, I, mean? I, I guess that. So, so then he gave you a little bit of a, a little bit of perspective. Then you're saying, I'd say, well, yeah, it's kindred spirits at that point, really. Well, are you yeah. are you are you in the Twitch chat room with with Albert as well? No. Just jump no, in. Jump I, in there. Say hello. I don't. I don't. Yeah. The Discord okay. I started sort of a little bit. The thingy. I'm Genie Genetic, South Africa. Oh yes. I guess I just like. Yes, it's great. Really it's been a long. It's been a while since you called in. I forgot. I forgot about that. That's a long South Africa call. Right I remember up, that. Right before Uche passed, I was like, "Yeah, you and Matt." I was like, "Yeah, twenty-four people." Less than three years have passed, and then Uche passed. Well, thank you My so much. My fucking best friend and business partner. Thank you for calling up and, and giving Albert a digital hug, and it's great to hear from you, Jeanette. He needs it. He deserves it, rather. Let's yes. say that. Yes, he, he does. We all That's do. beautiful. We all do. Everybody fucking does. Yeah. Jeanette, just yeah, hug the right. world. Thank you so much, Jeanette. Let's go <laughs> over to 616. Hey, oh, well, there you go. 609, you're on the air. What's going on, 609? How you doing? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing well. Who's this? This is Donnie. Donnie, welcome to the show. So, do you have a uh, pressure makes diamonds situation? Oh God, do I? Pressure makes diamonds. Uh, many different times. Well, give us was, one, give uh, us the best one you can think of. Uh, no, I've got so many it's insane. But the first one to start out with, uh, I. I uh, Failed my first class in nuclear school when I was going into the Navy, 1985. I finished my failed my math class, and uh, we lost a ton of people. And I just said, no, I'm not going out to. A, I'm not going to go out of Norfolk. I want to. I want to be on a on a one of them subs or something that they sold us. And uh, so I, I did what very well, very well, and uh, came back. And passed all the classes. We had like, literally like, six percent of us made it through the school back in the day. And uh, in the end, I still end up going to a nuclear power plant. <laughs> I don't know, folks. <laughs> but that's just the beginning of it. That's that's a minor. That's a minor. I'm, I'm, so it was passed. Uh, so your 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 uh, moment of triumph there under stress was passing a a very exclusive nuclear power course with the with the navy. Uh, that was one of them. That was one of them, and then there was many more after that. It was, uh, and then it just just uh, give us give I was us a little give bit us of a burnout as okay. a kid. You know what I mean? Like I like I was a great athlete, but I I didn't hang out with the jocks. You know, I just I didn't. I didn't like their attitude. Well, give us one like more. Give peaceful. us one more, Mike, because because uh, 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 I wanted I want to be able to, uh, to to get some more in here. It's a short show tonight. Yeah, I got you. So, 
Uh, yeah, I, I won't give you the Gulf War because that was that was brutal. That was absolutely brutal. I, while I came back from the Gulf War, I lost sixty pounds in forty-five days. Jeez. And uh, yeah, and I was bodybuilding prior to that, and it was just brutal. It was they they sent me to the catapults from the nuclear because I could speak jive, and being you're from Northeast, you know what I'm saying. Um, but I survived. And uh, I just gave up and worked. And then uh, I came back home and uh, ran very successful restaurants, very successful restaurants. And it was all on, on the heart that I was given through determination, just determination from working my balls off. And I, yeah, I, I literally didn't sleep during the Gulf War, but it, it worked out, man. It worked out. I killed it. I, I, uh, I did very well. And then I, I found myself and it, at retiring too young. It, I had to fight the VA. I got cancer four times. Jeez, uh, is that all related? I, I, is that all related to your your uh, nuclear uh, service? Uh, they, it, it, all they could do was just deny, deny, deny. And then I, I went to Sloan Kettering in Manhattan, and and uh, and then it so happened to hook up with a guy when I was in in the hospital down in St. Pete and he he told me just get a better doctor than the VA has and this is a big word that should come out there you get a better doctor than the VA has and you can beat them and so he he wrote he wrote two two simple sentences he said you know but his CV or VC is it no yeah so- CV so, so you, so you're what, you, what you're telling us now is a you're talking about a, a a grueling experience in the desert in desert warfare. You come on home. I, I was, you come on home and yeah. you 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 open you you instead put yourself into restaurant management. You do very well. What kind of restaurants? My family's crab house is the best crab house on the east, eastern seaboard. I, I I had the best. Which ones? I was the uh, man. Are they still open? I had the man. I. I had Krabby's Amazing Landing. I had Slammer's Crab House, and uh, down in uh, Clearwater Beach area, it was uh, in Florida. And then I had uh, uh, Loving Seafood of Skeeters in the Tuckerton Seaport. The place was min- monumental. I got written up in Philadelphia Inquirer. I got written up in the Newark Star Ledger. I got. Uh, I, I, I want was, some crab. Amazing. I want some, oh yeah, I was the man. I want some crap. Well, so okay, so well, 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 thank you so much for the call. Sounds like you did, you know, um, a lot of hard work, a lot of overcoming. Oh, uh, we're not I, even close to done. Well, I mean, well, I, I know. I, well, maybe you can call in another night when we have some more time. I want to get a few more calls. My on pleasure. I, I enjoy. I enjoy what you do. I enjoy what you do. I, I'm kind of wanting to, to to. I just retired from the Department of Defense, mm-hmm. and uh, I would like to. Uh, you know, make friends with you and uh, learn some of your trades and 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 really help out. And because we 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 need a bunch of us because it's time, man. It's time for us to take this goddamn country back. Well, I'm 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 happy that you you found the show and I'm happy you're having a good time and thank you for calling more. I've been off. watching you for a solid year or so. Oh, great. Well, hey, listen, if you ever, if there's ever a topic that you can't get through, as I always say, and thanks again, then just call, uh, just email. There's a lot of times people are just chomping at the bit to get on and throw some thoughts onto, onto the the show because they're do, we're talking about something and there's only one line, especially since we haven't calibrated the gilded yet. 
so we only have the one line on Skype. So it's it's a little bit rough, but sometimes there's luck. You get through. Other times there's the email, and uh, there's more than one way to stay in touch and contribute to the show. That's uh, wonderful, and I love everybody um, who's enthusiastic about contributing to the show. It's great. 513, thank you so much. What you got going on over there? Oh, my gosh. Am I, am I talking to Frank? Yes, yes. Who's this? Uh, okay, so this is, so this is I'm a mom, uh-huh. and I actually have two very positive stories. They're kind of short. So the first one is, um, well, when, um, when after I had my son, I wanted to go all natural and um, decided to breastfeed. I was like the first person in my family that, um, you know, uh, tried that. And, and I thought my, my son was crying. He was crying and crying as a newborn. And I thought I couldn't do it. And everybody was pressuring me to, um, to, uh, give him formula. And I was just so determined. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I didn't think he was, he was getting enough food. But then when we went back to the, um, midwife or lactation consultant, three days later, it turns out that my son was gaining weight normally and, and it, you know, his crying could be, you know, something else. Maybe he needed his diaper changed or something. So that's sort of like my diamond story that I stuck with it. I gave it the college try. I didn't think I could do it. And you did, um, you did it for, you did it for both your, you have many children you have? You said one, two? I got two, but they're 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 older. And they're, <laughs> they're, and, older and they're, now. they're so teenagers. when you say that you're the first person in your family to, to breastfeed, obviously you go far back enough. Somebody's doing it. Uh, what? Who was it? Uh, who, who was that person? Did your did your parents get breastfed by your by your grandparents? Uh, I mean, when when did the, the the family decide to only strictly do formula? Uh, you know, I, I think it was right around, like, my grandmother's era, you know, during the Great Depression era, mm. which is kind of kind of strange. Wow. I, I think it's right when formula started coming out and they, you know, started to popularize the, like, how, how it's just like breast milk kind of thing. Yeah. Do, now, do you have a daughter? You know. I do. Are, and, yeah. And does yeah, she, I've does, got a daughter. Does she have children? No, no, no. They're they're still teenagers. Okay. So the real th- here's the real point. Here's the real thing. Uh, we we will see when she becomes a mom one day, God willing, uh, if she continues the 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 now family tradition of breastfeeding, and then you will have effectively broken the cycle. That would be great. That would be awesome. <laughs> I so I do have one other quick story, and this has to do with homeschooling. Okay, go ahead. And, uh, okay, so so I, so when my son was in first grade, they tried to say that he was ADD or something, and I, and I didn't believe it. I just thought he's a boy, and he's a little hyperactive and has a problem focusing. And I think when he, was, when he, when he went into fourth grade, he was having all these kinds of problems with math. And the same thing, like I just, I just started researching and researching. I didn't think I could do it. And, you know, I, it just got to the point where he was crying all the time, uh, you know, through the public school system, the way that they were training him. And so 
yeah, I mean, I pulled him out of school and I started him, um, you know, with basics and math. And it turned out that he was missing, you know, because um, he was doing multiplication at the time and he just wasn't getting it. But it turned out that when I started him all the way back to addition and subtraction, he had he had he was missing gaps, even though the school had like had him on this math program where in summer school and all of that, just a lot of pressure. And as soon as I homeschooled him, you know, he started getting the math. Just going, it's just, I couldn't believe that the school, you know, they were, it's almost like torture for these kids. Yeah. You know, with the pressure, with the reading and stuff, like he hated reading and he hated math. By the time he got done homeschooling with me, he, he was, he was into Jules Verne. You know who that is? Yeah. An author, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he just he blossomed. He really blossomed. He went. So, so he he went. There you go. So he that that that's two amazing diamond stories. My wife just texted me and said, "Way to go, girl, with the breastfeeding." That just made my heart smile. That that's from Lauren. And um, <laughs> awesome. but 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 as but with the with the homeschooling there, the fact that yeah that there was big gaps and even just basic arithmetic and then. And then uh, with the reading, all of a sudden you you have a boy that is uh, that might have had problems at one point, and then suddenly is reading Jules Verne. It's it, it's something else there. And I'll tell you. And thank you so much for the call. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right. Take care, Frank. Yes. Thank Hold you. Nice to hi. Oh, I, well, I, you 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 just told her. There you go. Um, and that those are two pressure makes diamond situations. Because what do you do? Do we do I get him a? I mean, you you see that your your child is. I mean, what kind of pressure uh, is really maxes out? May, maybe you can find pressure that ties it, but when you find that your child is in some kind of discomfort or is 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 just not performing well and has stress of their own, I mean that that consumes you. And uh, that's those are great great triumphs right there. But think about that too. Um, it's almost like getting left behind at the train station if at some place along the line with education as we have right now in many schools all across the country, whether they be public or private, um, you're not only dealing with this terror, I mean, standardization of education, standardized testing, all of that, that was horrible for me too. Hated it. Over here in New York, we had the Regents exams. I don't know if they do Regents still. Terrible, terrible exams. I hated them all. And I didn't do well with them. I didn't do very well with them, but I can't imagine having um, having had gaps in my education in some way and just getting pulled along by the train of progress with you and all of your classmates. Nobody gets left behind. Everybody gets pushed forward and um, and trying to make up for everything that you lost or never understood or was never taught in a way that you could understand. It's very hard, very hard to customize education in a standardized way like that as it is. You know, um, and some teachers do a fantastic job and God bless them. But uh, by and large, it's it's already a, a, a tough thing for, for people, especially the student. And then now when you add not only the standardized ridiculousness, common core and all that, but the ideological stuff on top of it all, the ideology they put into math, holy shit. Let's take a call from Denise. Denise, what is your diamond? Hey, Frank. Di- how you doing? I'm doing well. Give me a diamond story here. 
Well, okay, my um, first baby, um, I had all my babies at home and had them in Arkansas and had a midwife, but my first um, baby when I was pregnant, I got pregnant with an IUD. And so, and I didn't know I was going to have my baby at home at the time, and I met, I was at a girlfriend's house and met the midwife who had just come back from her first home birth. She was an OBGYN nurse, but, and so anyway, um, I asked her about the IED, and she says, oh, it's no problem. Usually they just kind of push it out on their forehead as they come out. And so I thought, okay. And then anyway, she said that she would deliver my baby, which made me so happy because my sister-in-law had had a bad experience at the hospital. So um, went through 36 hours of labor, 24 of them breathing. And, um, you know, I was having to do the breathing. And um, got to a point where, you know, my um, midwife said, well, I think we're going to have to take you to the hospital because I just wasn't progressing. And I said, if I could just go to the bathroom, you know, um, I would feel better. So I got down on a chamber pot because we didn't have a toilet. And and um, as I did, I could feel the baby just crown. And so I was laughing because they were getting ready to take me to the hospital and I would have to get on the dirt road and travel in to town and I really didn't want to do that. And so I um, got back on the bed and ended up, um, she ended up having to give me an episiotomy because I was too yeah. thick and it wasn't thinning out quick enough. And so long story short, anyway, um, my first daughter was born absolutely beautiful and um, it just turned out to be a good thing and it was the same midwife for all three of my kids it was um her my first one was her third my second was her 15th and my third was her 150th and she ended up um uh i didn't have we didn't have much money so i gave her a fender for her volkswagen for the first birth um the second one uh was potatoes out of the garden and my third one was $150 cuz we actually had a little bit of money then so wow that's my um diamond in the rough yeah. and i have three beautiful daughters that's wonderful all of them born at home with the same midwife and that and that was in the face of the pressure of i don't know uh, you know is it possible that we can even do this at home do we have to go to the hospital and all of a sudden boom 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 you got the three and uh, oh, yeah yeah and it was quite efficient because i had had neighbors tell me oh honey you're gonna wish you were dead and i thought oh no no i just i got that in my head and i thought no it's going to be totally the opposite of what you guys say because i'm a kind of a person that tell me something can't be done and stand back and watch me that's just how i am and so um it ended up being a really wonderful experience i just birth was the most wonderful thing i ever um went through and then I ended up working under another midwife um, for a while, helping deliver babies. And just, um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time in my life. Well, Denise, it's... But it was tough. And it was kind of scary, like I say, because I, and I, I, and my mother and father-in-law were there for the birth. There was 13 of us at the first one. I think 10 at the second and um, nine at the third. Yeah. Well, so it was a... I would have done it for a film. <laughs> yeah. I just, I was just real at ease with it, you know. Yeah, there's always, a, there's always, a, <laughs> there's always a drop off in attendance by the third showing, you know. There's less, well, less, yeah. less people want to be there. 
<laughs> yeah. But it, it it all worked out good. Like I said, I was kind of scared. But when they told me they were going to take me to the hospital, I thought, oh, no, I don't want to. For one thing, I didn't want to be in contractions and on a bumpy dirt road going all the way into town 15 yeah. miles away. And so I thought, no, I'm going to do this. And so um, little did I know at that time that I was in transition. The baby was in the birth canal, and that's why I was feeling the pressure like I needed to go to the bathroom. And as soon as I sat down, down on the chamber pot, which was kind of low to the ground, did like a squad. It was like, oh, boy, here we go. Well, did, yeah, I was almost did, laughing. Did the, and they uh, got me back up on the bed. It was like... Yeah, let's do this. Well, did, did so the like uh, I say she had to give me an episiotomy, and so right. I had to go into um, town on the dirt road after and um, get sewn up. Yeah, and we the got that. Wasn't too happy about it either. It was like he's 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 stitching me and pulling him tight and going. Next time you have one at home, you ought to learn to stitch yourself and i thought oh boy yeah. whatever dude you're just not going to bring me down after this this is just the most wonderful thing that's well ever thank happened you in my life well denise denise you, you got you you got three three wonderful gifts out of that one and you showed the world again and and uh, we're going to need a lot of people like you if we're ever going to rebuild the population so thank you so much for everything and have a good night my well, friend i'm done on my end but i have six grandkids and two great grandsons good so, keep them coming um you know i was prolific Keep them coming, Denise. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I love you, Frank. Thank you. I love you, too. Have a good night, okay? Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gonna need it. Gonna need it. That's it. Hospitals? No. Chamber pot. Oh, I should have asked her about the IUD. Did it pop, Did it come out first? Was, was the baby holding it? My God. Every time I someone talks about an IUD, I uh, for a second I think that they say IED, some kind of an improvised explosive device inside of this lady little booby trap. Okay, well it's eight oh four. Let's take one or two more calls because it's almost time for me to get the hell out of here and and go do work in the other room. Uh, again, pressure makes diamonds. And you remember the first time I brought this up on Friday, we had a caller, uh, I think Ray from NJ called in, talking about uh, being able to complete a a uh, an advertising sign job right as a hurricane was coming in, and being able to do everything they could, and you know hunkering down for the hurricane, then getting the hell out of Dodge afterwards. Everything, anything goes. A time where it's just you're under pressure under the gun let's uh let's see what else we have here first uh Catherine and tony how are you hey frank good how are you i'm doing well Catherine. good to hear from you so what's your story well it the, what the pressure was and it's something i'm really proud of in my life that i did it was a long time ago with the pressure, I, I was working in a waitress. I was a real young lady working at, uh, in a restaurant. And this young couple, young even younger than me, they're only like 17 years old. And they had this little baby. And the, they, they were, the baby didn't look too good. It was all yellow. And, you know, they, and the couple told me that the baby only had a month or so to live. That it needed a new liver. It needed a liver. No, it was jaundice. Liver was just, no. mm. Yeah, and I said, "Well, 
can't you get on a donor list or something? Now, mind you, this is like 40 years ago. Things are a lot, you know, uh, operations and things like that were a lot different back then. But um, I said, why aren't, you know, why aren't they doing anything? Can't, you know, can't they put them on a donor list or something? And they said, well, we don't have the money and we don't have insurance. And I was, I was just appalled. And so I said, give me your, your name and your phone number. And I went home that night, and all I did was call the local newspaper. I called the newspaper, and I, t- I gave them their name and number and told them what was going on with the baby. And I didn't even know it but because I kind of disappeared and even moved to, to another place. I wasn't even working there anymore. But two years later, I ran into that same couple at the Walmart, and there was that child at two years old. And they said, there you are. Where did you go? You disappeared. The newspaper raised all kinds of money, and the baby got the operation. <laughs> and he's doing great. He got a new liver, and he's doing great. Wow. So isn't that a neat story? Oh, Ka- Catherine. But I felt so Yeah. <laughs> wow. Catherine, you're... you're... I felt so good to see that baby still, you know, still living. And all I do is make a phone call, and... The pressure, I guess, was the time for the for the oh, child. Oh, oh, that you you are. I mean, listen, this is this is it, it, this is what I was looking for and beyond pressure. I mean, we we're talking life and death here. And uh, man, wow, Catherine, yeah. what a, what a, what a you're you're a good good person. You really and uh, did you did you keep in touch with them over the years? Uh, uh, what? Did, no, anything? I didn't. I I've moved around in my life. But that was in Illinois. I, I met my husband in Colorado. I never sat still for very long, and I just kept moving around a lot in my life, traveling. And and uh, but they, I was just in the right place at the right time, made the right phone call, and they ended up having a big benefit for the baby, and the people were donating thousands of dollars. I found out later on, and the baby got the new liver, and everything worked out right. Oh <laughs> man, I, I'm I'm so it, this is a wonderful, wonderful story. And I'm so happy that you you got through and you were able to 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 share it with us. I'm lucky I found out about it the way I disappeared too. It was kind of uncanny how I ran into him at the Walmart. <laughs> yeah. They said, "What happened to you? What happened to you? You just disappeared." Yeah. You know, and I and I I went I practically cried when I saw that child because frankly I'd forgotten about it. But see how we can make an impact on each other's lives just making a phone call oh yeah you know it's, it's amazing oh yeah but well, i just wanted to share that with you frank well and you... as usual my husband watches you every day and i'm not allowed to speak well <laughs> I, I, I listen i love uh I, I love the fact that you both watch i'm i'm glad that you call in and yeah man yeah you're right you're right about that the impacts that we see it it's another reason why we we bring up it's a wonderful life so much when we when uh, christmas rolls around again the uh, uh the impacts seen and unseen on people around us just for everyday things that sometimes we don't pay any mind to. I mean, you, you put a call in to a newspaper and you don't even know what the result was. And two years later, you see that you saved a life. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's incredible. It's one of my proudest things. It's one of my the proudest things I, I think I ever did. I, and it was nothing. <laughs> you great. know, I love but, it. 
I mean, it was something, but it was such an easy thing to do to make a phone call. It's, you know, hey, it's easy. So, it's an easy thing for everybody to do things like that. It's just. You know, they're just having being proactive. And thanks again, Catherine. Send my best to Tony, and we'll talk soon. Okay, take care, Frank. All bye. Right, bye, bye. Wow. Yeah, get. Yeah, this is this is why we do these shows. This is why we do these shows. In what situation? What under what other circumstances would we be able to get calls like this in? In what other circumstances? If we're talking about uh, people getting maimed. And, um, and, and, and political, political uh, you know, world war. This is right. This is wonderful. Um, let's see. Revolution says, I forgot to even tell people to send me some super chats, so I don't think we even have any. Um, there's no Rumble rants. A lot of people watching on Rumble, though. I got a tip over here from Stostube. Oh, that's oh wait no, that's an old tip. But thank you, I loved it nonetheless. Okay, I have no, there are no tips. It's okay. It's from Fifth Wall from last night. So uh, there you go. And over on, are we still live? Green Planet. Where the hell's the uh, and and political? Oh, there we go. I was wondering where the hell all of our foxhole situation was. So on foxhole, I got two bits of gold pills. So, Sean, Joe, and Paulie. Thank you, Sean, Joe, and thank you, Paulie9363. It's great to have you out there. Well, the band has not walked through the door yet, so I'm going to take another call. Uh, 512, you are on the air. Who is this? Hi, Frank. It's Jennifer, the pen pal about the dog shows. Oh, Jennifer. Jennifer T. Hi. How, how are you? Yes. Jen- okay, I'm but wait, wait, wait. But before you? You, before you say anything, Jennifer, Jennifer, ladies and gentlemen, is a... Uh, a, a patron of the show she is enrolled in one of the pen pal uh the pen pal tiers and boy oh boy do i get she has to send her letters in manila envelopes because she tells me everything and so involved in dog shows i know so much about dog shows especially the drama that i i had to imagine would take takes place but it's uh it's been great learning about your life jennifer well, I'd like your your letters too, Frank. As you can hear my dog in the background, we've yeah. been playing Frisbee, but I wanted to call in because I have a pressure to diamond story. Great. And I wanted to share that with you. Go ahead. So about 15 years ago, I was working a job for an architecture engineering firm, and I was their CFO. And my the president of the company was just the most horrible horrible person, very manipulative and um, just horrible. And the pressure was overwhelming. And I got back from the AKC National Invitational and I was completely broke. And there's only a couple of ways to earn money. You can either get a part-time job or you can rob a bank, which you know, that's very complicated to rob a bank to get enough money to where you don't go to jail, right? Mm-hmm. You can live on the French Riviera or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I'll get a part-time job. And I couldn't find one because I was overqualified for everything. And so I thought, well, I'll just make my own part-time job. And so I started bookkeeping for people and made my own part-time job. 
And the pressure just kept building and building and building. And finally, I'm like, I'm done. And I quit my regular job and started my own company and have had my own company ever since. And I'm doing great. That's wonderful. Those are those yeah. are those are the things that it's very it's it's hard. Uh, the, the hardest part about everything is to just trust yourself sometimes and and pull the ripcord and uh, and it, it's great. It's great. sometimes it takes a little bit more fumbling around to get it right uh, than uh, until you do. But um, when you're in a bad situation, there is no amount of money that is worthy of that kind of uh, working in that kind of environment and steeping yourself in that kind of environment with people who are yeah. are manipulative or 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 toxic in some kind of a way so uh what you did was a necessity and 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 the great thing is that it worked out pretty well pretty quickly and and uh, and here you are so that's that's one of them good stuff yeah, i have my own company and i can work for whoever i want and i can work whenever I want. So I take my computer to dog shows and I work from dog shows and nobody even knows I'm at a dog show. It's great. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You're just doing yeah. your thing. Well, you know what? I, I've had a really wonderful time learning about all the ins and outs. of the, the only thing I knew about dog shows is whenever the... Uh, Whenever the 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 dog show was was that on Thanksgiving the Thanksgiving morning the dog show mm-hmm. yeah I only know that and I only know the uh, the movie Best in Show and I think from there right well it's true it's all um, true the dog show the movie is very true but I do the obedience competitions um, instead of the confirmation but I do go to the shows with the confirmation and I did have a dog that was in confirmation and I have to confess Frank. Don't tell anyone, but I have to confess that I did dye my dog because her coat was blown when I went to one of the shows once, and it was brown instead of black, and so I had to dye her, and she stood on the table the whole time I dyed her and just stood there like, okay, because she's a trained obedience dog for the competitions, and so when I said stay and sat down on my lawn chair to let the dye set, she just stayed there. And, and then now, I rinsed her off, and she was nice and black, and off we went. <laughs> so now tell me, tell me, if they found out that you dyed her, would that have been points or disqualification? Disqualification, yes. Uh-huh. But did, people now, do it all the time. Did, did, did you did, see? You're the Alex Rodriguez of dog shows. Did you? Um, <laughs> did you? Uh, did you win? Did you place? I did. Yes. So you won with the dyed dog. I did. Okay, well, listen, you have to do what you got to do sometimes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's what you have to do sometimes. Well, Jennifer, thank you for the call. This is a great way to end tonight. I thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Frank. And I just love you very much. And tell Aurora, hey, I'm going to send her a video one day. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. 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 Have, have, a, have a good one. Take, take it easy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Cheating at the dog show. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, the band has now walked through the door. It is time for me to start my third job of the day. And I, um, I'm, I'm loving you all. And I'm glad that we got to do this tomorrow. It will be a full two hours. It will be a fiery two hours. Rich Barris will be on. And there is no shortage of things to talk about. And then on Thursday, we've got Grace. Really Graceful is coming on as now the hours are dripping away from what is left of March, okay? 
And I have decided that I will be on air April 3rd. I'm not going to take the day after my birthday off. Um, I will take the day after Easter off, though. April April 10th, I'm not going to come in. I'm just going to uh, chill out and just um, and bask in the glory of it all. So thank you, guys and gals. I am, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow, 7 o'clock. You've been wonderful to me, and I am looking forward to, uh, to coming back, in, back here and grinding with you all once again. Good night, and take care. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Snowstube, Paulie9363, Sean Joe, and Rise Attire says, Hey, Frank, I got elected executive precinct committee at, Sal- uh, uh, the, at the uh, South Carolina GOP reorganization meeting last night. It's rhino hunting time. Hell yeah. Go get him, Adrian. That's Rise Attire on, quite frankly, his affiliate page, too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for everything. Good night.